Baby Rain Crow podcast is for people of any race, gender, creed, or nationality who want to learn more about the storm that's on the horizon. Buckle your seatbelt! Episode 8, Thursday, October 15, 2020. In this episode, Critical Thinking Part 3. Hi, I'm your host, Edie Roskam. Do you know why I ring the cowbell? If you don't, please refer back to episode one. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and send me your questions and comments, preferably in an audio format, so I can play your message in a future episode. Reason is the foundation of science and law. You won't be taken seriously in science or law if you can't apply reason and follow a system of rules, principles, procedures, and methods. Personal feelings, opinions, and even what your colleagues may say are to be set aside for the sake of sound decisions and solid conclusions. I was reminded of this twice in the past week. The first time was when I watched a video of Dr. James M. Tor, a chemist, nanotechnologist, and professor at Rice University. The second time was when I found a few minutes to listen to Amy Coney Barrett's confirmation hearing before the Senate Judiciary Committee. Without a firm foundation, a structure is on shifting sand. It will fall. Maybe not today or tomorrow, but eventually. In the last show, I didn't remember to allow enough time to cover why we shouldn't let social pressures dictate our actions. To clarify, I wasn't discarding the lessons we all learned in kindergarten class or manners we learned at the dinner table. What I meant was we shouldn't allow social pressures alone to dictate anything, especially our thought life, but speech and actions as well. Why? Because external behaviors shape us and those who follow our example. Daily routines and habitual patterns affect brain chemistry. Consider the methods dictators use to test their followers, which leads to complete submission and human suffering. History has a tendency to repeat itself. 
when we don't learn the hard lessons the first time. Apply your reasoning skills. In episode seven, we explored the root of critical thinking, God's logic, the logos, the word of God. He's an actual person you and I can get to know. Kind of like math is noble and reading your math book can help you learn it. Reading the word of God will help you know God. God's word will also help you put God's logic to work so you can think, understand, and form good judgments. Contrary to popular opinion, a person who puts her faith in God can also be objective and well-reasoned. Unless she has a, an emotional faith, which unfortunately I have to admit is too common these days. When I read news of formerly enthusiastic followers or religious leaders leaving the faith because it's becoming an unsatisfying pursuit, I know it's mostly due to a faith founded on emotionalism. Either critical thinking never came into play or the word of God wasn't learned or taught to any meaningful extent. Bottom line, the dopamine fix doesn't do it for them anymore. They found a better high elsewhere. Don't believe me? I'm certain in due time, you'll see what I mean. So now I'm going to talk about different worldviews. In many ways, I've already covered objectivism, which means someone set aside personal um, feelings and opinions and consults God about morals and other decisions. Now for relativism and pluralism. Relativism is the doctrine that there is no absolute truth. There is no external or objective truth. Truth is merely subjective, a matter of preference. It depends on what the culture happens to believe. A culture is right if they believe they are. The culture is the standard, not God. Under relativism, decisions are never cut and dry or even consistent. In a culture that's transitioning from objectivism to relativism, they will be in one of the following stages dependent on how much influence God still has in that particular culture. Step one, an individual or the culture decides if God's absolutes have been violated. Step two, an individual or the culture takes precedence over what God says. Step three, what God says is irrelevant. The obvious problem is when culture takes, um, I'm sorry, when culture changes over time, 
The truth changes with it. How many examples in your own lifetime can you think of when the individual or the culture decides if God's absolutes have been violated? How about today? Have we passed that point to where culture takes precedence over what God says? What do you think? Is it possible we're living in an era when the majority says God is irrelevant? Pluralism. Pluralism is a system in which two or more principles or two or more sources of authority coexist. According to radical pluralism, there is no objective reality because God's viewpoint doesn't exist. The world is the space between your ears or the distance between you and your smartphone. If you can deny you did something and get away with it, then it never happened. Wipe the hard drive. Dump the bodies. Get rid of the bloody gloves. Whatever happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. An example of pluralism. Chinese authorities denied murdering hundreds of students in Tiananmen Square. So anyone who brings up the topic is asked, how dare you embarrass the good Chinese people by bringing false accusations against their benevolent government leaders. Nothing happened in Tiananmen Square. It's a lie. There are other atrocities in recent memory, but I'll leave current world events out of this for now. Another example of pluralism Why are we still allowing Jews to talk about history? They have a reputation for perpetuating ancient myths. Read my lips. The Holocaust didn't happen. Under pluralism, reality is what those in authority say it is. I'll say that another way. Without objective truth, Reality is what the powerful elites say it is. Can you think of recent examples when, even if it was something you disagreed with, someone removed or erased some kind of news or information to prevent lies from spreading? In other words, even if it seemed to be for the greater good, A higher authority or power made a judgment about what was appropriate for for public consumption and made the decision for you. Made the decision for me, for everyone. In the U.S., where we're supposed to have freedom of speech. 
without objective truth, in the absence of truth, without a system of rules, principles, procedures, and methods to rein in the will of those in power, nothing will keep evil at bay. I reached out on social media and asked people to respond to this question. What does God say? I was curious what people would say in 2020. Here are some of the responses so far. If you'd like to send me an audio message, it's simple. Check out the show notes and follow the link or like my author page and send it via messenger. I don't believe that God says anything. I believe that his will is seen in the actions that occur all around you. I believe God is wanting to tell us that he is still in control and that he will use all this for his own glory. See his face, the time is short, and repent for your nation and for yourself. And we will see the glory of God manifested. Okay. Learn Hebrew, learn, learn the Torah, Torah in order to do the Torah, and do the Torah in order to learn the Torah. What is God saying? Matthew 6.33 But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. In Ephesians 3.20 now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. God says, I love you. What does God say? Well, to me, God says lots through his word. And uh, today the things that jump out to me is uh, God says for me to love my neighbor. He says that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. He says that if I seek him with all of my heart, I will find him. Um, that's what God says to me. Repent. God says that I love you and I will never leave you or forsake you. When I think about answering the question, what does God say? I remember a tagline from the 1980s from Time Life selling a series of books called Mysteries of the Unknown. They would say something fantastical had happened. If you doubted it, you had to read the book. Well, what does God say? He says, read my book. What does God say? Jeremiah 31, 3. The Lord has appeared of old to me, saying, Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. I think what God is saying is, Do my mitzvot. 
uh, Hebrew word for establish things. Uh, do my instructions. Live as I told you to as my people. In essence, do Judaism. And those things will talk to you. The things that you do in Judaism, practicing Judaism, living Judaism, following the feasts, following the calendar, the cycle of things. It will teach us about God. It will teach us about the kingdom. Uh, so as we live as he told us to, those things will speak to us and teach us what he wants us to know. I'm still planning the next episode, but I think a sensible topic would be the governing of thought and expression. What do you think? Send me a message with your comments and questions.